Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast today is dedicated for the Rafuash of Yaakov Shirazi's mother, Aviva Shabu Bat Masouda, Habu from Bat Masouda from the Kahal. Um, we prayed for her this morning, and of course, it is a fervent wish of everybody uh, that she should make a Rafuash and our dear friend Yaakov Shirazi should have and be zochet, merit to have many more uh, years with her in health, in happiness, and in success. So I just was shown a beautiful book called the Pe'eliyahu. Is that right? Pe'eliyahu. A book that was printed a hundred and something years ago, 140 years ago in Halab, in a printing press that belonged to a great, the grandfather, great-grandfather maybe, of, uh, of, of Murray Dayan. And the book, it was written by Rabbi Eliyahu, and I just want to share with you one little uh, snippet from it because it's a beautiful little snippet. The pasuk in, in the Mishpatim begins with the words, Ve'ele, Vav is six, Aleph is one, Lamed, 30, and then A, five together. <laughs> Nobody? Huh? 41, is that where we are? Says says He says something beautiful. Forty two. He says something beautiful, and I want to point out two elements from this. Ve'ele, ve'ele is forty two. Now we know that there's a there's a name of Hakadosh Baruch Hu that is made up of forty two letters. This forty two letter name of Hakadosh Baruch Hu is the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that is hidden. It's a, a very powerful, one of the powerful names of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Why? And this is so special. If you look at the end of the Torah, sorry? If we, if we look at the end of the, of the end of the Torah, you'll find that when the Jewish people travel in the desert, if you look at all of the stops that they make in the desert, how many stops do they make from Misraim until they get to Eretz Israel? 42. Now, what's fascinating about, Ele, about the Masa'e B'nai Israel, about the 42 stops that the Jewish people make in the desert, is that although there are 42 little random little stops they make in the desert, places of what seems to be no import, actually our rabbis communicate to us that what the Jewish people were doing was journeying in a journey to perfection. They had come from a place of unbelievable slavery and unbelievable Tum'ah. They sunk to the 49th level of Tum'ah. Now there are 42 stops from pure Tum'ah to achieve this place of perfection. Yerushalem, the capital of Israel is Yerushalayim, which stands for Yir'eh Shalem. Someone who's zochet, who merits to see perfection. So this, this idea that the Jewish people traveled through the Midbar, it wasn't just that they stopped in 42 places, but rather that there were 42 things that they needed to achieve on their journey to perfection which makes it even more fascinating to notice that those stops happened by Midbar, which stands for Bet Mem 42 Davar, 42 things, fascinating. There's 42 things that they need to go through to achieve in order to achieve that perfection. Rabotai, our Gemara teaches us that when a someone, a Dayan, a Posek, is someone who uh, is capable or merits to bring out the Halakha according to the way that it's supposed to be, to rule in the court case according to the halakha and to bring about uh, uh, the din la'amito, in such a case, the person is considered to be a shutaf, a partner with 
God Himself. So what is ve'ele hamishpatim asher tasim lefnehem? When someone merits, shh. When someone merits to bring out the laws of Torah la'amito, what do they do? Ve'ele hamishpatim. They merit to be zocher, to be a partner with Hakadosh Baruch Hu's hidden name. Why? In a world of sheker, in a world of falsehood, when someone is, they merit, they bring about the halakha, the law, justice is upheld, people are doing the right thing. That is revealing the hidden name of God in the world in which we live. What is fascinating about this is that a person can be going about their random day and what they don't realize is that they're bringing about God's name in creation. Now this is a very deep idea and I want to give simple concepts that will draw the point to its conclusion. We know that we read about Rabbi Yohanan Sandlar. He was one of the great Tanaim. And in it, we find out about this Rabbi Yohanan Sandlar that he was tofer tfirot. He was sitting there and weaving. He was sewing the shoes. He was a sandal maker. He was sewing the shoes. Tofer tfirot. And at the same time, each stitch that he was putting in the sandal, he was uniting and bringing God's name, God's names together. Again, for us, that's a very lofty concept to talk about while we're eating food here at the table, okay? But at the same time, if Rabbi Yohanan Sandlai was capable of doing it while he was touching shoes, which I always loved, when a person touches shoes, what happens? The hands become tamer. So they sing, So someone once told me the reason why he was able to do so was because the shoes hadn't been worn yet. Before the shoe is worn, it's not the, there's, no, there's no tumah on the shoe. It gets the tumah because of the fact that it's, uh, it's used on the ground, which the ground has a tumah. So Rabotai, what does it mean to be tofer tfirot When a person is sitting in, the, in their place of work, and we know a person that comes in, and you decide you're going to sell them something, you tell them you're going to give it to him, all of a sudden the guy realizes, he makes a mistake. Today, it's very common. It used to be you had a pound of sugar, you put the pound of sugar on the, on the tray, right, on the, on the scale, you take the weight, five pounds, three pounds, you put it on the, there's a price, very easy. Today, it's like, I would like to buy model, yesterday I put this into the computer, model uh, MD522J slash A. <laughs> I want to buy that model. Well, what that means, yeah, I slash B is a different model. Otherwise, they wouldn't have a slash A. So these are the models you're dealing with. You don't know if this iPad or this iPod or this telephone or this product, it might be, it looks the same, but it might be very different. It might have, you know, more memory, less memory, etc., etc. So someone comes in and he says, okay, so this one is $500. You just realize the guy, he, he thinks it's 500. Really, it's 430. It's $420. So you can keep your mouth shut and make a profit. You ring up the bill and you charge him the correct amount. Tofer tfirot. The Dayan, they came to ask him a question. What's the halakha? All the Dayan did is he says, this is what the Torah says. Yes, that's true. But the fact that now two people walked out the door of the Beddin and they did the just, the correct thing in this world. That is bringing about the Elah Mishpatim. Now, what's fascinating is, uh, the Pe'eliyah, what he says is, Ve'eleh, what does it mean, an Eleh? What is an Eleh? How do you decide the Mishpatim, an Eleh? In the court, in the Beit Din, what is the, the Sanhedrin? The Sanhedrin is made up of how many judges? 70. 70 plus one. 
You have the the Bedin, you know, the, the Shivim Zikenim, and you have Moshe Rabbeinu. The Gemara Sanhedrin says that that mimics the, the Sanhedrin. So you have 70 there, and then there's the Av Bedin, that he's the Machria. He decides between, because you can't have a, a hung parliament or a hung jury, right? You got to have someone who's able to decide between. So the full Bedin is 71. Listen to this. And how do they decide? The, the Mishpatim says Peleyahu. Ve'ele, and Ele, Ele is Aleph, Lamed. Hey is 1. 35 is 1 plus 30 plus 5 is 36. The decisor of Bedin, which brings about the Mishpatim, is how many? What's the majority of a Bedin? 36. 36. 36. Ve'ele ha Mishpatim. How did the Mishpatim come out? Through the 36. Uh, through the majority of the Bedin that it's operating in the Sanhedrin. But Rabbi I, I love, always love to share this. You know, sometimes you read a mitzvah, you're like, oh, Baruch Hashem, this is not for me. Like, I have enough mitzvot. Oh, that's only a kohen. Oh, thank God, Baruch Hashem. <laughs> right? You, you, there's too much on my plate. But really, it's an opportunity, a chance to be able to do mitzvot. Like we say, Rabbi Hanayam and Akasham here, this is not, don't get a mistake, don't get a zekadish. I'm just saying it in the class now. Rabbi Hanayam and Akasham here, everyone is like, oh, shushimai. <laughs> it was over. Rabbi Hanayam and Akasham here, Tzak, Lush, Makos, Israel. Hashem wanted to give merit to the Jewish people. Lefikach, hirbalahem Torah mitzvot. He gave them more mitzvot. What's the obvious question? You want us to get zechut? Give us one mitzvah. What's the answer to that? He tried that already. It's called Adam Arishon Gan Eden. How'd that one go? Either way, the point is, he gives them numerous opportunities to be able to do a mitzvah. You know why? That way, if you don't get it here, you get it there. If your Yetzirah tripped you up here, you got it over there. You miss Shachrit, you got Melehan Arbit. Every time there's uh, uh, more and new opportunities in, in, in life. Now, when a person goes through their day in the right way, oh, again, they don't realize that aside from, like, we're familiar with the idea of Kiddush Hashem. But Kiddush Hashem, we think, means, oh, someone saw, they saw I have a kippah, now they Kiddush Hashem. I had that one time. I was with my wife, we were traveling on a, a trip, a romantic trip away, you know, very rare that we get something like that. So we go away, I brought all the food like a good Jewish boy, enough food for... A million, right? It's me and my wife. We're traveling. So we finished the trip. Where do we end up? The last stop on our trip is the Grand Canyon. I have in my trunk food for another four days. Okay? Ice creams and deli sandwiches. Obviously not together. Right? All the different things sitting in my trunk in big things of ice. You don't even understand what's going on in my back. I could have opened up a street fruit truck from the back of my uh, car. Anyway, so Hannah says to me, she says, we're going to the airport now, we're going to do all the food. So I'm wondering what we're going to do with all the food. As we're wondering, you won't believe, you can't, you can't write this stuff. <laughs> A yellow school bus pulls up in the parking, the parking spot right next to me. A yellow school bus. And who pulls up? What does it say? The sweet singing children of Jesus. <laughs> I kid you not. I kid you not. That he pulls up in the parking lot seat right next to me. And I look at my wife and she says, no. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and they start getting off. I took off my baseball cap. And as they're getting off, I'm handing each one a sandwich. I'm fluffing my kippah like this. I just want so that you all see that I'm Jewish. Now, we're familiar with that idea that when people recognize that we are Jewish, then what a wonderful thing it is to be Mekadesh Shem Shamayim to act properly. But what we're learning over here is something different. When someone acts, La'amito Shel Torah, when they do an act which is just, which is correct, that in, in and of itself reveals HaKadosh Baruch Hu's essence in the world. Because the only reason why you did that was because of God. Now that sounds crazy, but really humanity, 
without the guiding principles of the Torah, without what the Torah brought to the world, like we talked about yesterday, without Matan Torah, the world would be a place where human beings were like animals. They took whatever they wanted, did whatever they wanted. It would be might makes right. It was only the Torah that taught the world that right makes right. In fact, what's fascinating to look at is there's a book called World Perfect. You should go out and get it. The History of the Jewish People, written by Ken Spiro. And he, he points out something fascinating. That the things that we take for granted in our society, we think that they're always there. And they would be there with or without the Torah. But actually, historically speaking, go back and look. The most advanced societies of their day uh, were barbaric when it came to the most obvious things. Just a simple example, I want to give this before we uh, kind of wrap up today. In ancient Rome and in ancient Greece, these were places that were at the forefront of pushing the agenda for, uh, for humanity's you know, advances in science and math, etc., etc. They practiced, in Roman society, they practiced fratricide. They practiced, what's it called? Uh, 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 sorry, not fratricide. They practiced uh, infanticide. There are letters that we have where the letters say, if it's a boy, keep it alive. If it's a girl, kill it. If you go to Caesarea, to Caesarea today, you'll see that they found that at the bottom of the aqueducts where the water would flow, they have bones, bone structures. And the bone structures are tiny and they can map exactly how old the kids were, days old, where they were flushed effectively down the toilet. Live babies. They didn't want them. They didn't need them. It wasn't important. It was in Greek society, it was considered to be virtuous to take someone who wasn't completely healthy, disabled, and to kill them. Because in uh, Plato and Socrates, in their methodologies for thinking, they thought that on aggregate, you know, there would be more joy in the world because this guy, anyway, he can't really enjoy life so much. So you know what, let's let there be more food for the rest of us. Unbelievable, these practices. The gladiators, they would have human beings fight with animals or each other to the death for people's entertainment. These were the most advanced societies of their day. The Aztecs, again, that we marvel today about what they knew. They believed that at the top of the mountains they would slaughter human beings and if the blood ever stopped running of human beings into the mountain, then the gods would no longer provide for them. They were literally killing people willy-nilly. So the ideas that we take for granted as part of the bedrock of all society, what we don't understand is that was God's gift to man. He took human beings and he elevated them above the animals. That was what the Torah did. Now it filtered through from the Torah, from the Jewish people, or Lagoyim to the whole world. It filtered through even in the religions that were then started. They started upon a higher uh, benchmark because they were trying to, you know, there's an old uh, uh, idea that says that when Muhammad decided to start Islam, what he realized was, he says, if I want to be better than Jews, I need to do more than them. So let me take the day in which they pray the most times. What's the day that we pray the most? Yom Kippur, how many times we pray? Five, Five times. He says, I'm going to do that every day. Now, I would think, if you were telling me I was starting a religion, I would think that's the last thing people want. You know? <laughs> uh, guys, join my shul, we pray shakri three times, <laughs> besides from Han Arbit. I wouldn't have think that that would get us an adherence, but somehow he made it work. He had a sword and a donkey and he was good to go. You understand? So here we are, looking at the world today, and in, in the rear view mirror, we don't understand this. But the things, the basic, uh, the terminology I read once uh, uh, was uh, beautiful. The basic furniture of the human mind. Where did that come from? It came from the Elah Mishpatim. God gave these rules on Mount Sinai. And I think that there's something really interesting here that the Torah was pointing out. 
The Torah says, mishpatim, right? That Rashi says, How come these two parashiot are together? Uh, first, we read about the giving of the Torah, and then we read about immediately mishpatim, to teach you that just as those, i.e., the Aseret Debrot, were given at Sinai, so too all these laws were given at Sinai. Now, it used to be, I think, that the reason why that needed to be taught to you was that you should understand that these were uh, Sinai, they were from Sinai in nature. In other words, it wasn't that something later on came along, Moshe Rabbeinu, and then, so it was the divine origin that the point of putting them together was supposed to convey. But I think there's something else in our world. Today, we take these things for granted that if you steal, you have to pay for, you have to pay back. If you damage someone, then you need to, uh, you know, they can take you to court. All these things. If you know, if you run over someone with your car, you know, then you have to pay for it. If you, if, if you punch someone in the face, knock out all of his teeth, so not only do you have to pay damages, but also the person could sue for embarrassment. The person could sue for uh, unemployment while he has to get better. His medical bills. That is Nezek Tsar, Ripui Shevet, and Boshet. That's a Gemara on Baba Kama. But where do we get it from? We learn it out from these Pesukim. Ve'ela Mishpatim says the Pesuk. <laughs> Honey, you didn't get that when you came to America. You know, although the world didn't have that, we've had this since Sinai. Lama Nismecha Parasha to teach you that these rules, the ones that today seem obvious, Everything in the world is obvious once people have already invented it. Isn't it? Right now, it's like, oh, I had the same idea as Uber. Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> Everybody has it, you know, it's 10 years after the thing's a success. Yeah, I thought of that too, you know. I also thought of a rocket ship going to Mars. That doesn't mean I know how to build it, okay? Now, the point is, Rabutai, I'd like to draw this back, all the way back to, uh, to Rabbi Yohanan Asadla. I'm not a Dayan. Maybe he is, maybe this rabbi is, I'm not sure. But you guys, anyway, you're, none of you are Dayanim, except for him. Murray Dayan is a Dayan. Okay, but other than Murray Dayan, right? We don't have a Dayan amongst us over here, okay? So you think, what is this relevant to us? And the answer is, I want to answer on two points. Number one, the idea of revealing God in this world, when you do something because Borei Olam gave the Torah. So I think to myself, I want to do the right thing here. Why do I want to do the right thing? Only because it's the right thing. I'm going to you know, keep my word. I'm going to make sure to charge a person the right amount. I'm not going to take advantage of someone's mistakes. I'm going to, what's it called? If I've given my word to someone about, you know, I'm going to fulfill that word. If, uh, if the caterer did something for me and I took advantage of him and I know that I can now tell him, da -da -da -da, he says, how many people came to your simcha? And you tell him, well, yeah, he, the guy's like, I fed 300 people, right? Now you have to figure out what the right thing to do is, not what you can get away with. That idea is bringing God into the world. That's tofer tefirot. You're doing, you're going around your daily business and you're making sure that Borei Olam uh, is evident in the world. When you say hello to someone, that means that you're recognizing them. We spoke about this yesterday in the, in the Aseret Debrot. The whole of the Aseret Debrot is to respect somebody. Anoche Hashem Elokecha means God says respect my existence. All of the four, all the five on the other side are to respect a human being's existence. Respect, don't kidnap him, means respect his freedom. Don't do something, as an example, respect his freedom. Don't double park and go in to pray, because you're blocking somebody in. Do you understand that? That's respecting someone's freedom. He has a day to get to. He has things he, want to, he wants to accomplish. When a person thinks that this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants from me, like the Pasuk will tell us in a few weeks' time, Mahu Af'ata. Just like God is kind, is gracious, 
is erech apayim, is long to anger, he forgives a person, right, benakeh, etc., etc., so too should you, just as God clothes the, the, uh, the naked and visits the sick and, you know, and uh, marries off the, the you know, the, the hatan kala. So the halakha is a person needs to emulate HaKadosh Baruch Hu. All these things that they seem to us to be obvious things are actually bringing about the hidden name of God into a world which doesn't think of him very, very often. And that, whether someone is looking or not, whether there's the element of Kiddush Hashem that someone saw or not, you still brought HaKadosh Baruch Hu in, into a dark world and filled it with a little bit more light. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen. Amen.